Welcome to Scientific American Science Talk, posted on September 27th, 2019. I'm Steve Mursky. On this episode... Climate change is the most significant public health challenge of our time. That's Gina McCarthy. She was the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency during most of Barack Obama's second term as president. Last year, she became the first director of a new climate center created by the Harvard School of Public Health. It's called Sea Change, the Center for Climate, Health, and the Global Environment. Scientific American Associate Editor Andrea Thompson spoke with McCarthy by phone just prior to this past week's UN Climate Action Summit. I wanted to get your um, thoughts on on whether you do think there is maybe the tide is kind of shifting on our desire to to actually take concrete action uh, to combat climate change, uh, and you know why you think that that might be happening now, and if it can be sustained. Um, I, I do think that there is, that we are at a bit of a turning point. I think everybody has different views on on why that's the case, but clearly the science is getting more urgent. I think you have now a new generation of of young people. They're just not letting the rest of us off the hook anymore. They don't seem to have the same kind of reluctance to embrace the science. And they're seeing that it's their future that is at stake. So they're getting to an age where they can challenge us. And so I think there's a lot of both real information. There's a lot of things happening uh, in the world that make climate change much more visible. The storms that we're seeing, the the more high intense and frequent storms that we're seeing, the fires, the floods that we're seeing. It's very hard now to ignore it and to think that it's anything like business as usual because it really isn't. There's more ability for people to understand that it's not just real, but it is really here, and it has an ability to impact them. And and I think the other thing is that, you know, we've spent a lot of time, and I know it's the work that we do at the center, trying to make sure that people understand and start treating it differently than just talking about polar bears and glaciers. It's just really important that we personalize it. And we have found that the health message um, uh, it is a, a very clear and compelling one. Climate change is the most significant public health challenge of our time. And it's showing itself not just in the developing world with millions of people who are, you know, have water and food insecurities, um, but it's about the migrations that we're seeing. It's about the challenges in the U.S. that are becoming very visible to people. And the, the other dynamic is that it's showing the inequities in the system. It's showing me that health has always been inequitable. You know, both access to it as well as basically who is most at risk and most vulnerable. And it's those communities that are getting hammered in climate change. All those things come together. It's greater visibility. It's more understanding. It's better science. It's more solutions on the table. It's more broadly understood now, and the actions that we can take are more robust than they've ever been before. So there's lots of reasons why I think people are beginning to get it and want to do something about it. Now, I'm curious, you know, so much of a previous debate, or at least, you know, say the last decade or so since I've been covering climate change, 
when there is debate or, um, you know, public questions, um, they really tend to kind of relitigate the basic tenets of climate science over and over and over again. And we do seem to be moving away from that. Um, so like you said, kind of focusing more on solutions um, and things like that. So I'm curious, you know, where do you see, um, I guess, kind of the best areas for science to, to kind of come in and inform those policy questions, you know, the real things that we do need to be debating and discussing, um, you know, in the next few years and decades as we as we kind of decide what policies we want to do. And that, that can be, you know, on the public health front, on, on you know, the environmental justice or anything else? Yeah, I, I think that the trick is that we, we do have solutions, we do have policies, we do have regulations, we do have technologies. And I think the trick is to, to use climate as a lens in the challenges of today. You know, really, you have to make sure that whatever you're doing for climate, you're looking at providing immediate benefits, both health benefits as well as economic benefits. And there are huge opportunities there because it builds constituencies. It's hard to argue against. Now, not that it isn't being argued against, but it becomes ludicrous to argue it after a while. You know, because there are, there are many Republican governors who for years when I was in the Obama administration would not talk about renewable energy and who actually fought and let, litigated the clean power plan. Only at the same time, they were, they were passing renewable fuel standards in their states because it was cheaper. You know, so I kept telling them, stop bothering me then on climate change. Just do it your way just as long as we do it, you know, and it has such huge benefits. And part of the trick is that if you're going to do that, how do you do it in a way that is more equitable and that that brings value to vulnerable communities first? If you do that, you start building the economic base as well. So part of it is not thinking about one thing, but thinking of this as a system approach. Why would we want to have the military who totally recognize climate change as being a huge in international instability issue. Why wouldn't we in what, want to support them in their interest in having renewable energy instead of fossil fuels? Why wouldn't we want to do this work where we become a leader in clean energy so we're not fighting about oil fields overseas? And when you have an opportunity to start looking that way, then federal spending changes. And the farm bill should look at what the farms of today and tomorrow are, not continuing with factory farms. That that's not healthy from a nutrition standpoint, it's not healthy from an environmental standpoint, and it's not healthy from a planetary standpoint. So why aren't we looking at using federal funds differently? So all these provide opportunities for the entire complexion of the discussion to change from I want to scare you into doing something on climate to let's, let's not be smarter about federal dollars being spent and the way in which people are demanding action that's going to be beneficial for their health.
No, I know. So, so, so one of the the issues in Esri coming up with solutions for for climate change and you know solutions that may address climate change and other issues that we're facing is to make sure, like you said, that those solutions are equitable um, and that they do what we want them to do. So, I'm curious what um, you know maybe some of the research that you guys are doing at Harvard is to you know to look and see what are the solutions that that will meet those criteria. How do we you know how does science help inform those those solutions? Well, there are an awful lot of them. They, they won't get you to zero emissions, but they're building momentum and they're providing opportunity for the private sector to start investing because they know people will want it and people will buy it. Those are the kinds of signals that, that have been less clear in this administration than the prior. For somebody that wants a, a strong economy, they're doing it in the damnedest way. You know, but by trying to look at what, what drove our economy from the industrial, you know, era and not recognize that we're just not there anymore. Um, now, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, that you guys are studying some of the potential health um, impacts from some of the rollbacks that have happened. And I did want to ask you because, you know, under the Obama administration, the APA did have some really key climate change initiatives um, that, you know, were pretty the biggest steps we've taken as a nation so far and that, you know, a lot of those have been undone. So I'm curious what it's been like for you to kind of watch that unfold over the last couple of years. And then do you think that the, the, the rollbacks at the federal level and then and the lack of action there, that that can be made up for by some of the action that's happening at the more, you know, state and local level. Yeah, we are doing some of that work because, of course, our, our center is really focused on the intersect between climate and health. You know, we, we, you know, I firmly believe, and I know many others do, that health motivates change more than anything else, especially if you talk about your kids. And especially if you start thinking about the inequities through that lens, because has never been an equal opportunity killer and carbon pollution isn't either. We've been doing research uh, with a, a co- in collaboration with a, n- a number of other universities on how we look at the transportation sector. There are, there are nine states that's actually gotten together um, to, to develop cap and invest and what we're doing for them is to take a look at the policies and do an analysis on how you can maximize the health benefits. Where is air pollution the worst and deserves the cleaner transportation the most? How do you design that? Because to me, that builds political will from, from mayors and states and governors to want to do something like this. You know, it brings people to the table. It makes them realize that that climate change isn't something we can solve. It is something we have to solve. And along the way, we can benefit, not just wait till 2050. And and so there's a lot of momentum to be built. So we're working. We have some funding to basically analyze what the regional uh, initiative will do. And we're looking at doing some more localized areas as well. So, you know, that's fun and, and it's exciting. We're also doing work um, on some of the the rollbacks at the federal level to take a look at what we see as both the, the the as the health outcomes of those, and we've been able to point out some significant deficiencies in those that that we can submit and have submitted to the docket, so that 
you know, the EPA can take cognizance of those when they do the fi their final ruling. And if they fail to, then it opens up, you know, potential for litigation against a final rule to be successful. And, it, and we've done it all about the health benefits. We're doing a lot of work in the health the healthcare sector, working with medical professionals. We're, we're getting the word out, I think, more successfully than ever to medical associations like the Association of Pediatrics, like the, the uh, uh, APHA, the American Public Health Association. They're beginning to really step up and actually do work in the climate realm. Doctors want to have their voices known. Nurses, because they're, they're good they're good, trusted advisors to people. So there's all, you know, there's things from preventing health problems to looking at where health problems currently exist and how do we design solutions to how do we actually get into the medical profession itself and do work here. Um, and we've been doing work with uh, Ari Bernstein is a, a, is a pediatrician who works as a co-director here. And he's been really pushing the, the medical profession to look at things like how heat stress can really do damage to their patients if you're not thinking about the drugs that you give your patients. And we're doing work with nutrition, and we have to get better um, at being able to, to make the transition to plant-based products. Um, now, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, that you guys are studying some of the potential health um, impacts from some of the rollbacks that have happened. And I did want to ask you because, you know, under the Obama administration, the APA did have some really key climate change initiatives um, that, you know, were pretty the biggest steps we've taken as a nation so far and that, you know, a lot of those have been undone. So I'm curious what it's been like for you to kind of watch that unfold over the last couple of years. And then do you think that the, the, the rollbacks at the federal level and then the lack of action there, that that can be made up for by some of the action that's happening at the more, you know, state and local level? Really, to be honest, it's very frustrating to keep up with because they're doing things gratuitously. You know, it, 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 I'll, I'll just mention too, the, the light bulb announcement. You know, why would you want to make sure to protect, you know, bulbs that, that break, that don't work well, and that actually emit more greenhouse gases? Who is calling for this, <laughs> you know? And on, the, and on the mercury and air toxic standard, which is the, the first, you know, limit on mercury emissions from power plants, the major lobbyists for the utility sector wrote to uh, the current administrator, EPA, and said, don't touch it. We've already completed it. You're going to cause us stranded assets because we'll have all this equipment that we're no longer required to run, and that means we have to pay the bill for it in regulated sectors. And, and they still went ahead and did it. So it's about emissions of neurotoxins that impact fetuses and young kids. You know, it's just amazing to me. And, and since we did the mercury and air toxic standard, the amount of mercury being emitted has taken a nosedive. And then they go on to do the, the, the car rules and relook at that. And the, the only fun thing about that is they were taking such a drastic rollback on that in an industry that needs years of certainty 
to be able to figure out what to make. And so the, so you've got some of the largest car companies like Ford, uh, Volkswagen, Honda, BMW that have run to the welcoming arms of California regulators. Go figure how a, how a president figured out how to do that. He made California the safe haven for regulation. So my head spins. But here's, here's the two good things, and then I'll answer your last question. The, the, one of the good things is that, that they are very poor at regulating an analysis because the simple thing is that, is that they're looking to get an outcome, not follow the science and not follow the law, which means they have an eight, somewhere in the area of an 8% success rate in the courts. So they are not being successful at the rollbacks. The second thing is, you know, the federal government has never actually been the bastion of in, in, innovation in this country. It's always come from the bottom up, and that's how the pressure has risen. It's only when communities, you know, spend a lot of years and states doing things, and then it becomes possible, and then some people are left behind. Then the federal government intervenes. And so I think people felt like the federal government, where we did a lot, you know, was something we did of our own initiative. Now, I will tell you, absolutely, we embraced that challenge. President Obama wanted to take action, as did I and Lisa Jackson at EPA and across the administration, because we knew the danger of climate change. But we had to do so many things because the laws demanded it, and we, we did not feel that it was appropriate to ignore it as prior administrations did. So when the Obama administration left, people should not have expected that the job at the community level and the state level was any less important than it had ever been. And so I think they doubled down. That's really going to drive the next generation of benefits. And I'm excited about it because I don't think it would happen otherwise. And lastly, your question about what does all this, these rollbacks mean? Well, it means delay. You know, it means you're going to see delay. Now, in some areas you're not because the technology is driving it like clean energy. You know, companies are now further ahead than the clean power plan ever anticipated or required. That's great. That means the next time a president comes in, a new president in 2020 comes in is what I should probably say, if I'm being honest. They'll have an ability to relook at that and see what is possible then. And that's exciting. But one of the major problems we really have is what you saw with, with the lighting industry and what you're seeing in other venues is the business uncertainty. And to me, it sends a signal that final rules aren't final. And I think that's going to be a real problem in the future. And lastly, their inability to recognize that one of the federal government's best tools to grow the economy and one of our best tools to remain the strongest economy in the world and compete against China is not about tariffs. It's about the federal dollars being invested wisely in innovation. That's what the federal government does is that there's always a years of gap between a technology, you know, being devised and tested and ready to go and its cost drop and it becomes truly marketable. 
that's the gap that's always been filled by federal dollars. And, and that's the really sad thing, is while he's yapping about tariffs, we're seeing China eat our lunch on cars, on uh, renewable energy and equipment, and we, we're just losing ground in terms of our ability to grab the clean energy economy and turn it into jobs and economic growth. And that perhaps may be, in the end, the most damaging uh, legacy of this administration. Just amazes me that they haven't at all recognized where the world is today and where it ultimately will head, whether, whether this president likes it or not. That's it for this episode. Get your science news at our website, www.scientificamerican.com, where you can find an edited transcript of the conversation between Gina McCarthy and Andrea Thompson. And follow us on Twitter, where you'll get a tweet whenever a new item hits the website. Our Twitter name is at Siam. For Scientific American Science Talk, I'm Steve Mursky. Thanks for clicking on us. 